Welcome to the podcast version of Robots in Depth and this launch episode with Walter Volkinger in cooperation with Vvolver. Robots in Depth is supported by Aptomica. Visit aptomica.com to connect. You will find all past episodes and more on robotsindepth.com. Welcome to this episode of Robots in Depth. Today I'm honored to have Walter Volkinger here from Blue Danube Robotics and he's going to show us the air skin which is a very good way of making your robot safe when it cooperates with people and for that matter other delicate objects I would say rather than just people. Uh, could you tell us how the story started with this sensor? Thank you for having me here. First, um, the story started as it usually starts with a university spin-off. We were working on an EU project and doing mobile robots and we said okay mobile robots technology is, is okay we uh, founded Bluetooth Robotics and we had the air skin on the robot because we realized in, in uh, moving in homes elderly, you need to have a sensor skin all around the robot. This was in 2013 and in 2014 we were at the Hanover uh, fair. Then we showed our robotic arm with the air skin on it. And then we, reali we realized like over 90% of the request was coming from the industry. And I was like, oh, maybe we are onto something. Yeah, and after that conference, after that fair, we changed to developing AirSkin as an industrial safety sensor. Could you describe the sensor and how it works? Yes. So the sensor is called AirSkin, mm. and the name is program. So we have a, a thin skin mm. around some some cushioning structure, mm. and in there we measure air pressure variations. So you touch the sensor, mm. you deform it, air pressure increases inside and yeah, we measure this relative pressure difference in there. Mm. And to make it a safety sensor, mm. we have a small uh, electric pump in there to supply a little bit of overpressure. So if you like damage the pad, puncture it, mm. cut it, then the sensor will recognize it, turn off, then it just glue it plug it in again and then it's working. Because that's of course the, the, the thing that you have to have with the, when you're measuring this air pressure, you have to, to know that it's, uh, that it's airtight, right? Yes. Mm. And this is also quite durable, I understand, because it is basically just rubber, right? It's just rubber, yeah. Mm. And the nice thing is we make it for robots, grippers, fixtures, mobile robots mm. and all the other machines. Mm. So there are like hundreds of different machines out there. Mm. And how we cope with this huge variety is that we 3D printed. So right. the, the physical it's structure we are seeing here is yeah. just 3D printed? It's just the full pad is 3D printed, it's a thin air and the structure in there, mm. and we put our sensor board in there. Very and then we connect these pads together, mm. and we connect it to the safety IOs of the machine. Mm. So very usually connect the safety fence or the door, mm. just connect these pads there. Yeah, very. And you can get them in any size or shape or Yes, form, the, the, the right? smallest one is like 10 centimeters in length and the biggest one is like 60. Yeah, is that a, just because customers haven't wanted any other thing or is it uh, is there a limitation to the technology? There is a limitation mm -hmm. because we measure the uh, air pressure inside, so we mm -hmm. need a little bit of increase of air pressure, so it mm -hmm. depends on the volume. Mm -hmm. And the other limitation is that we usually only cover one axis of a robot. Mm -hmm. And usually robot axis is about uh, this size. Mm, mm, mm. So usually put like two air skin sensors per axis. Mm. So for a six, seven axis robot. Yeah. Very interesting, very interesting. Uh, so it, you, you intend to use it in, in 
in this safety mode. Is there anything uh, else you're also thinking that it could be suitable for? Yes, so at the beginning we didn't use it as a safety sensor. Um, we're using it with one uh, robot manufacturer. He used it as a safety sensor first mm -hmm. and then switched the mode and then we uh, provide the system via I2C with the pressure levels so you can push away the robot. Ah, so you, you, yeah. you then can, you know... It's a user interface, yeah. Ah, very interesting. It's, mm. uh, it's getting close to you, mm. stop it, and then you push it away because you know which pad is on which axis. Ah, yeah, so okay, okay, okay. Yes, very mm. nice. And th since the pad is also slightly soft, it would also give you that, uh, the great, the f the, that margin to have time to stop because this sensor would trigger before you hit any hard part of the robot, right? Yes, so mm. it triggers really fast, like 10 milliseconds, mm. and then the rest of the of the thickness mm. you have for cushioning for spreading out the, mm. the force, mm. because the new ISO 15066 uh, mm. requires uh, this mm. uh, maximum of impact force. Ah, yeah, 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 of course. So you it, don't it depends on your application. Mm. You send us your CRD drawing mm. and said, oh, we want to have the robot running this fast, mm. and we calculate the shape and thickness and. Mm, mm. And, and as, as they are 3D printed, they are also, you can get them quite quickly. If I have a CAD file that, that, that I want to cover, you can get the product to me quite quickly, I understand, right? Yes, if it's a, like a standard robot, a UR10, mm. easy to do. If you have a completely new robot, we need a few weeks to design the pad around. Mm. But usually if you order it in a few days, yeah. Mm, very cool. And I also understand that one of the challenges you faced when, 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 you, when you started to develop this was that you didn't 3D print them. Um, no. And that made the, the tooling costs very expensive. Yes. We, um, we, we tried the, every production method out there, mm. like uh, thermoforming uh, the, the foam and then coating it, but then the customer wanted a, a nicer surface and yeah, we tried everything. And because there are lots of robot types out there, more than a hundred different types of robots, and we have like six to seven different parts on the robot. Yeah. <laughs> you need a production method which can cope with this variety. Yeah, and now you're 3D printing it. Can you talk a little bit about the, the different properties of the materials I can have the sensor mm -hmm. made in? Mm -hmm. um, so there are more and more new materials coming up, but at the moment, uh, this is uh, thermoplastic polyurethane, um, Shore 90, mm -hmm. and so we can make it thin and then really soft. Mm -hmm. But if we want like a harder surface on the outside, we just design it that way, like mm -hmm. one or two millimeter thick, mm -hmm. and have like a harder surface. Mm -hmm. um, and this comes in uh, any color you want. So there are companies in Germany, they're doing uh, RAL colors on it and, and some additional coating. So like um, that dirt doesn't no. stick on it and yeah. like this sort of nano covers. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Really, really impressive. Some of those. Yeah. Uh, to keep the robot clean and looking yeah, nice and, clean and not and contaminated. Yes. Uh, so that brings us to, for instance, like food safety and and all of these things because it, it's also washable. Mm -hmm. I understand since it's just plastic, right? Yes, but our first we we're not going into the food industry first. Mm -hmm. We are taking the, the the easiest market first. Yeah, of course. Assembly where people working close to robots, mm -hmm. so small electronics assembly or even the huge robot in the car manufacturing where they're doing l some sort of quality inspection mm. while the robot is doing some mo some slow movement. Mm. They just stop the robot, some inspection and 
let it go mm. because there you don't have any restrictions mm, mm, on, mm. on robot or on, on the people. Especially. And the system will also be able to tell you if a pad is punctured, it can tell you which pad is punctured, yeah. but not exactly where I would presume. No, it's it's per pad. If you need yeah. a, a, mm. a higher resolution, mm. you just take more pads. And, mm. and the, the nice thing about it is it's glued onto the robot. Mm. So it's a double-sided tape. Mm. Glue it onto the robot. And if you don't need it, just rip it off. Mm clean it and put a new pad on it. Yeah, yeah, really quick. So minimizing downtime. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about um, uh, the price of these and how we design them into our system to make them as cheap as possible because we make them easier for you to make? Um, so the price point for a UR10, mm. if you cover the UR10, it's about 10 to uh, 11 pieces. If mm. you have a gripper on there, it's an two more. It's about four to 5,000 euros. Mm. And that's about the same you uh, pay for a fence hmm. if you build it around the robot. Hmm. So that's about the price point. But you don't need it for the full robot. Maybe you only need it for one joint or for the gripper. Just yeah, hmm. take one or two pads. Yeah, and that uh, that's more or less. Uh, and this is a standard product then that for the UR10. And yes. for, for you have standard products for many other robots too. But say I wanted to something developed. Say I had a shape that I'd need to cover. Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of price ranges are we talking about then? Just average kind of guidance for the customer rather than a particular price. Um, guidance, so per bed it's like 400 euros mm -hmm. and depending on the size. If, if mm -hmm. the size is bigger, a little more mm -hmm. and we need some hours for a CD uh, drawing. Yeah. Um, if, it's a, if it's a new robot mm -hmm. and we can use it for us, for other customers, cheaper mm. if it's especially for you made I don't know mm. for your special racing car or whatever mm. you want slightly yeah. more you, you have to, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and and also do we have standard products I mean uh, cube shapes or oblongs or that I could just buy and, and, and put on my robot and make kind of a mosaic uh, solution yes we have one uh, standard mini pad mm. like 10 by 4 by 3 centimeters mm. and you can connect them to mm. each other and then like in case a gripper, like for, for example, a, a suction gripper, mm. you just put like on the corners four or five of these pads and connect them. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Or and for a gripper, yeah. for example, this this is a part, a half part of a shank gripper. Mm. So you have them there and then for, for depending on the gripper, you put it like this way or you turn ah. it 90 degrees. Yeah, and uh, do you, you daisy chain those so that they connect to each other? Yes, so up to seven ah, okay. can be daisy chained. Yeah. And then you just connect it to the safety AOs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's very interesting. Have you seen, uh, so you probably had prototypes out there for quite some time now. Yeah. <laughs> Could you tell us about any of the applications that it's been used in to advise the customer on where, where it might be suitable? Mm -hmm. So we have it on a, on a big Komau robot mm. where they have this uh, hot glue gun. Mm. So it's a huge robot and we only covered like the first part of the robot where, the, where they do just uh, quality inspections. If they do it mm. right, standing next to the robot, but it's moving slowly because mm. it's a gluing application. Mm. So this is a perfect application mm. because usually people uh, think of collaborative robots as, as like the ABB Yumi, like mm. small ones and doing electronics. Mm. But actually, you can use huge robots. Mm. And then you have to be safe, of course. Of course. Yeah. And another example is the, the CNC machine feeding. Mm. So they need bigger robots to, to lift the, have to have the gripper on the robot and to lift the material into the CNC machine. But while they are in there, the robot can do something else. Mm. So 
you need some safety there. Has it been used in, in non-manufacturing in any way? Has it been used out in the field? Not yet, because we only shipped a few prototypes out there. Mm. But uh, more and more mobile uh, applications are uh, will be done. Mm. So people request like safety bumpers for their uh, mobile robots. And they need them, the bumpers to be nicely designed. So they yeah. want to have this, this complex shaped. That's actually what we can do. Yeah, yeah. because the, the advantage of this sensor is the price. And I also think that the, the very free choice you have in the shape of yeah. the sensor is... You need to design this is the... Yeah. yeah, and also the fact that it's very durable. If you hit it hard, it's not going to be affected by that. No. So if and you want to use it in construction industry in or anything yeah. like that, it's... Yeah. It's going to be durable and yeah, should be fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And even if it isn't, it's reasonably easy to replace it also because it isn't actually built into the robot, but just added to it. So thank you very yeah. much for taking the time to do an interview. And it's going to be our pleasure to follow it, uh, the progress as it goes along. Yeah. Thank you for the interview. And yeah, you will see us at the next industrial fairs, Dramatica, Motec, Hanover Fair next year. And yeah. Then it's going to be more shipping products too. Shipping products and you will see the, the products on, on different robots and have the videos and the applications mm. there. Even on our webpage, we're like trying to fill it up with applications. So you see what it's used for. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. I hope you liked this episode of the podcast version of Robots in Depth. This episode is produced together with Vvolver. Vvolver is a platform and community providing engineers informative content that help them innovate. It's how engineers stay cutting edge. Optomica is the founding sponsor for Robots in Depth. Optomica rents anything in modular robotics. Dream, rent, build. Visit optomica.com to connect. I'm your host, Per Sherboy. Until the next episode, thank you for listening.